Hi, welcome back to VME Vaginismus, let's name it, not shame it. My name is Audrey Cairo, and as always, I hope to bring you some inspiring stories um, of others who might have been challenged by vaginismus or any other challenges um, with their V. Um, recently, I received an email of um, a male listener, and um, his partner had been challenged by vaginismus. And he really wanted me to, to stress to my, my listeners how helpful it could be for, to share the podcast with their partner as well. Um, it had been really helpful to him just to hear others talk, um, to hear other women and their stories um, about their challenge with vaginismus. And that gave him as well a different insight to um, have it come from someone else. This podcast is, of course, for everyone. And as long as it can support you or your partner or your friend or your sister or anyone who has a vagina or has been in touch with a vagina or has an interest in vaginas, I really feel that um, it's good to listen to an episode, just understand what vaginismus is uh, for some. Um, but yeah, but today we're um, here, of course, with another episode. Let me also apologize for the silence. Um, it's been a bit of a weird few weeks, and sometimes I also have to think of myself, of course. Um, and I had been um, visiting family for the first time since COVID, so I couldn't really do everything um, at the same time. But hey ho, let's say I'm back, I'm here again. Um, we'll see what the podcast is gonna bring in the coming time or well where we will take it um but we're here today to um you know of course hear our from our guest called Lorna Meehan and today or actually in this podcast it was the first time for us to to meet and to speak um because she has a up-and-coming one-woman show called No Entry um which will be performed in um Birmingham and in London uh, in London, UK. Um, but yeah, it would be just great to hear more about what inspired her to create the show, who she is, what's her story. Um, so yeah, so today we're, we'll be talking about what has happened for her, um, like it will be in relation with trauma, um, loneliness, and also about how hiring an escort has helped her along the way. So yeah, tune in. And I look forward to hearing what you think. Enjoy. Lorna, so lovely uh, meeting you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Because it's our first time meeting, our first time having a conversation. Um, we had a few emails here and there. And I had the opportunity, of course, to um look at some links that you sent me regarding like your your uh, blog post as well yeah. um but what i understand is that you soon will be or if covid allows everything to happen in normal world um to go out and um start your or how do you say it start your one woman's show and yeah. no entry mm, yes exciting it is exciting when is the when's the last time you were standing on, on stage so I got to do a live stream of No Entry in March at um, Theatre in Wolverhampton. And that was quite bizarre because it, it was an empty auditorium, but I still knew that people were watching. So I think we sold about like 30 tickets. So 
I was there on stage like, oh, wow, after a year and a bit of not being on stage, I'm on stage again doing my doing my really, you know, personal show was like, you know, it's it's preview and looking out to see nobody there. But knowing that people were watching, it was a very weird headspace to be in. But in a way, it was kind of nice because I got to have the first show of what for me is kind of the the rawest kind of most personal thing I've ever done uh it kind of felt like a a sort of a safe space to just do it for the first time and um you know got a really good response from from the people who watched it because a lot of them um you know I got a lot of my audience for that first show from like um posting on like vaginismus groups and my collaborators I had like five women um with vaginismus who uh let me uh, interview them and i use like their sound bites verbatim in the in the show and um yeah the the response was really positive so it was good to know that even though on the night i didn't have that energy from the live crowd which was a bit weird people were still watching and getting a lot out of it so yeah yeah that was that was the last time i was on stage bizarrely for for an audience of no one <laughs> the audience or let's say the virtual audience you know the like virtual audience virtual yeah. audience yeah I had a virtual audience <laughs> yeah. um over the past I don't know, I want to say two episodes or so, I've been talking to people who um, are either being challenged by vaginismus or have any other um, challenges, uh, vagina related, I'll say, Mm. but who turned that into, um, like, turned their creativity into, Mm. how do you say it? They turned their creativity or they turned their creative hand into the challenge and made something to support others Mm. really so um so when when um i found out about you i was like oh awesome like (laughs) because (laughs) for me it's always like a oh okay because people just you know there there's so many talented people around um but you don't always see them or you don't Mm. always know their their story but i love um like of course with the title no entry and Mm. as we are both um, focused on women with vaginismus you know we now know as well what the play would likely be or play the woman show the one woman show yeah um, would be about but as you know like in in the podcast it's all about finding a bit out a bit more about your personal story so before mm-hmm. we jump towards uh, okay. your show it will be great to hear of who is Lorna? Like, what, <laughs> like, wh- what brought her here today? So, as you already written your play, maybe I don't know how, when. When did you write your play? How long ago was that? Uh, I've probably been writing it over the, I guess, like the past sort of two years, really. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's like the past two years, but let's say if we would write a play today, mm-hmm. yeah, and if you could put a new title okay to yeah. the play you're writing about what your current relationship is with your vagina what will the play or the one woman show what would it be called oh uh <laughs> it sounds really corny but it's perfect reunited and it feels so good <laughs> <laughs> reunited and, and it feels so good for the trailer that'd be like the opening number I think yeah <laughs> oh, it's so funny so reunited and it feels so good oh my god okay so soon that song will likely stick in my head 
Um, so reunited and it feels so good. So I, I, as you know, it will be a bit of then like, that's maybe why we're working towards mm. in our conversation. Yeah. Um, and because I, can I assume that no entry, um, like, how would you call it? Is it by, uh, uh, by, geez, biographical? Do I say that? Um, autobiographical. Autobiographical. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Um, so it's, I guess, a mixture of um, my personal story, like my autobiographical um, story. And then I also interviewed um, five other women with vaginismus, uh, like verbatim style. And I kind of had a mixture of um, actors like re-recording their audio or some of them uh, were just happy for their own recordings to be used. So it's, yeah, so it's mainly autobiographical. Well, I suppose completely autobiographical because it's their personal stories as well. So I guess it's sort of an autobiographical collaboration really. Okay. Yeah. So if we then, because of course, unfortunately they're not in the room, right? Mm. And they're the findings that you've had that helped you create alongside of your story um, Mm. too so yeah tell tell us of what inspired you to create um no entry cool well um so my background's in like acting and um performance poetry and over about the past sort of five years I've kind of I got to a stage where it felt like natural to sort of put those things together more and as I got more comfortable talking about personal stuff on stage um I kind of and I was seeing lots of like one woman shows thinking like I should do this it feels it feels like it's time for me to try this out and um my first solo show Brazen was um kind of yeah like autobiographical spoken word poetry bit of physical theatre and that was all about like kind of coming of age and when you get obsessed with like a particular band or like it was about like the nature of idolatry really and how that kind of um how that kind of takes you from like girl to woman or like you know like child to adult kind of thing and um and then um and yeah then I had like a big upheaval in my life which was um kind of resulted in I guess I guess the easiest way to describe it is like an emotional breakdown really and um and I started remembering some stuff that I'd forgotten that was pretty deep you know and then sort of realized that um this thing that I'd been ignoring you know like this this thing that my body wasn't doing that other people's bodies were, you know, it was just a given. I was like, I can't really ignore this anymore because it was in intrinsically linked up to so many other things that were affecting me. And I was like, okay, it's time to actually <laughs> sit down and, and just sort of ask Google what this is all about. I literally had this moment where I was like, okay, whatever this is, isn't normal, but it can't just be me. Right. Cause that I think was the assumption that I was always, that always kept me silent about vaginismus was like, you know, well, it, it must just be me and I don't know who to talk to. I don't even know what it is. So I just ignore it. And it was pretty easy for me to ignore it really. Um, because I, I wasn't, I would never put myself in situations where I'd have to confront it. And, and then it just got to the stage where like, we can't ignore this anymore. And as soon as I actually punched into Google, like what's going on with my vagina and um, it, straight away just reading the word and reading about it was like oh my god I knew it I knew it and my 
my first reaction after relief, like, you know, because you get that wash of relief, don't you? Like, oh, thank God, it's not just me. You know, like all this time I thought I was, you know, I just wasn't dealing with it. And I thought it was a freak. And I figured, you know, this was just my, this just, this was just going to be my life. Right. And, um, and then you read about it and you realize it's a thing, it's a medical condition, it's fixable. I'm normal. And after that sense of relief, then came the rage. I was so angry. I was so angry that it was so common and just didn't get talked about. And this, um, this sort of assumption, the language around it, that it's, um, it's something wrong that has to be fixed and cured. And to be honest, when I first sort of started, you know, sort of combating it, um, a lot of the stuff I was reading, you know, like all the, the sort of the way the medical profession deal with it, it all felt quite invasive. And it all sort of was stemmed around this idea that, oh, once you can penetrate yourself with something and you can have penetrative sex, you're cured. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was really angry. And I thought, okay, what I need to do with this anger is to channel it into something positive and help people. And if the thing that's making me the most angry about it is this silence and shame, then I need to use my creative platform and my skill set and and sort of my gratitude for the confidence that I have to get up on stage and talk about this stuff. I'm going to write a show about it, damn it. Mm. So that's where no entry came from. I was like, I'm going to write, you know, an honest, no, no holes barred show about this thing that isn't talked about so we can talk about it. Yeah. And, and I always wanted other women with vaginismus to like be involved. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's how it all came about. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was me trying, attempting to turn my rage at the world uh, and, and towards myself really into something positive that was, you know, kind of therapeutic for me on many levels, but also mainly about connecting with other women and making them feel seen and listened to and, and just to create that sense of solidarity. And I wanted to make the kind of show that had I seen this when I was 18 would have given me an entirely different perspective about so many things, mainly to do with my, my self-esteem, my confidence, you know, my, my, um, my sort of need to want to be intimate with people up against this like defense mechanism that I seem to have no control over, you know, it would have given me an entirely different perspective. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was my way of, of um, channeling all this into something um, entertaining, but also, you know, educational, but I hope without being too preachy, you know, but just ultimately something accessible. Okay. And, and that's, that's how I got to making the show basically yeah yeah yeah. so yeah I'm very I'm very curious about about your show but as well I'm very curious about a few things that you just said uh, in general because I'm like one part of me what I um you said about like the silence you know women being silent and when you actually find found out about it that that rage came Mm. in a way so I'm curious curious about the 18 year old self right who you mm. who you kind of written uh, a play for yeah um, but I'm curious like at the moment I have like I have the rage I have the defense of self like the different perspective that you might have had when you were 18 and the mm. the, the self-esteem that came with it but maybe I should just start maybe we should just start somewhere near your 18th really about mm 
like the question that I have was, you know, like when did the silence begin um, for yeah. you? Like, mm. or when did you, even if you might not have had the word vaginismus in a way, like what, what was going on for you when you were 18? Well, I guess sort of, so up until then, I think, um, I think the way I was brought up and like my, my, my family were very sort of, I guess, sort of evasive about sex and, and didn't really, um, yeah, we didn't really, (laughs) was really talked about. And, um, there were certain people in my family where it was, um, the reaction to kind of opening something up would be very like, Oh no, we don't, we don't talk about that. And I had a lot of, you know, sort of confused kind of mixed messages about, um, about um about men and women in their relationships and there was a lot of um I guess uh this sense of the women in my family kind of uh, um sort of accommodating the men you know just kind of excusing a lot of their behavior and sort of almost kind of hero worship in a way and and it was very difficult for me to um figure out uh why like why we treating the men in our family this way when we all know that you know that they're not perfect you know so I had a very sort of uh, a very kind of mixed up view of of that very skewed view of um yeah those kind of uh, relationships and what a woman was expected to do if she wanted to have a man's attention and all that you know so that was a, yeah a sort of unhealthy perspective I guess yeah. and then you know teenager hormones started kicking in and I had it you know perfectly sort of I guess uh normal urges and all that but um I I was always quite awkward and very shy and I guess because I didn't look a certain way and I didn't really get bullied but it was more sort of like indifference you know um and I kind of got um sort of pushed out of friendship groups and stuff and didn't really know how to like assert myself and I didn't really have the confidence to I guess you know kind of put myself out there in any way and by the time I was 18 I hadn't done anything with anyone uh you know um boys were just not interested and um and I I guess internalized that into thinking it's me it's my fault I need to be more this more that more attractive I need to try harder and I was about to start university and decided that I (laughs) I needed to get laid already so um I sort of threw myself at my older sister's friend um because you know I sort of had it on her authority that yeah he's up for anything kind of thing so um yeah I very much kind of threw myself at this guy knowing that you know he'd be up for it and I lost my virginity and that was pretty uh you know the the that was a big sort of learning curve for like oh right so all this stuff you were told about virginity is kind of bollocks and harmful and very like uh toxic and and I didn't really clock any of this until much later and I just assumed that you know oh he's not um he's not kind of getting into it and kissing me and all that because of something I'm not doing you know um so it very much felt like I was just sort of a body and you know like uh it's not to say that he was like you know doing anything that I wasn't consenting to but it was just that complete disconnect Mm -hmm. and that would have been you know kind of 
your average losing your virginity experience um you know uh, I guess were it not for what happened a bit later was that my sister came around one night and kind of uh sort of caught us in the middle of something happening and then to cut a long story short him and my sister started doing things together and I was very much like ignored and was like okay right and I sort of left the room and spent the night on the sofa devastated and the next day we didn't really talk about it and I forgot I forgot that that happened and I didn't remember it (laughs) until um my sister died five years ago and uh I thank you thank you it was um it it wasn't it wasn't completely unexpected because she had like a a, a long standing like heart condition but she had sort of a very rapid um decline and it was the first time that i sort of experienced grief and losing someone and i <laughs> and there was this uh, and i will remember this for the rest of my life because it was a very visceral experience um the guy my sister's friend who I lost my virginity to i um he I hadn't seen him for years and we'd sort of you know been in touch off and on but I'd always kind of had this thing of like not really wanting to be around him because again I was suppressing a lot of stuff and I didn't really clock why that was until this moment basically yeah I saw him at my sister's funeral and I hugged him and in that moment I just remembered everything I'd forgotten Mm. about it was like this mad kind of subconscious kind of blow up in the in my frontal lobe kind of thing like my brain went oh by the way that thing you forgot and it was and it sort of knocked me for six and I remembered everything and I remember this night which was basically you know where my where my silence and my shame began really because between the ages of 18 and um yeah, like my sister's female, I, I didn't do anything with anyone. Uh, the problem with um, men and me wanting to be intimate, whatever, it never sort of resolved itself. And I didn't really figure out what was happening until all this, because I suddenly realized, oh, God, this there's one half of me that's kind of desperate for this and wants it and needs it and just kind of keeps getting it wrong or keeps missing the mark or keeps falling for the guy with the girlfriend and why does this keep happening and why am I so lonely and I'd be on this endless broken record of I'm not good enough it's me I don't know what to do I guess I'm just going to be alone forever kind of thing Mm. and I never made the link up with what's going on with my vagina and why and all this uh, until I remembered this night and everything started clicking into place and I realized god all this time the other half of me has been building this wall, literal physical wall and going, no, no, not interested. Um, men are not to be trusted. Um, they just want to take from you uh, or, you know, you are not good enough. So don't bother, you know, this, this wall I was building at the same time as desperately wanting this intimacy with men. And, and then, yeah, I had the sort of worst year of my life, really having this complete emotional breakdown um through grief and shock and all of this and but now looking back I think the grief was one thing and has almost become like sort of manageable now because my brain and my whole system just accepts the fact that okay this person has has gone and we've just got to navigate that and that was one thing but I honestly think now looking back that the majority of my (laughs) mental emotional breakdown was about 
sexual repression, repressing this massive part of my personality. And it wasn't until all this blew up that I realized just how much vaginismus had been deciding so many things for me that I wasn't even aware of. And really, I guess for me, vaginismus, it, there's the physical side of it, the fact that my vagina's like, nope, nothing's getting up here. But I think really what it was um, a sim- symbolizing, what it was essentially a metaphor for was just my whole personality from that night going, I am not good enough. I am inadequate. So therefore mm. I will close myself off and I won't try and I will push this betrayal aside because I can't I can't deal with the fact that my sister kind of did that and I don't know why she did it and because I don't because I didn't remember it till after she died I can't have this conversation with her about it and I did talk to him about it and he remembered and he was oh god yeah I'm sorry I forgot about that and Mm. all those years ago you know I was just I was just a dick you know I was up for I was up for it with whoever, you know, and like, so I got my, I got that resolution with him, but obviously not with her. And to be honest, it was more about what happened with her. Cause like I say that losing your virginity is like, you know, I had your average experience, but that yeah. was something else entirely. Yeah. And uh, so it was a lot to process and deal with. And the, and the thing that I guess sort of how this all resolved itself for me after um, after deciding, right, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to investigate this, I'm going to work through it. Um, I realized that what I really needed to do to work through it was to, um, <laughs> well, I decided that how I would know um, if I'd resolved it was if I finally started to feel like a grown up. I still felt in this regard like I was still 18, like there was this massive part of my personality that was frozen, mm-hmm. which is why I think I was always too scared to go any further with a guy than like, oh, we're flirting, we're getting on. I think, oh, it's gone a bit wrong. My fault. Yeah. I'll get back. And I would never get past that point. And I think it was because I still felt like I had desperate loser 18 year old who doesn't know what she's doing sort of tattooed across my forehead no matter what I did Mm. Um, and I always felt like what I need and I say to my friends like I know this feels like a weird thing to say but I don't feel like a grown-up I feel like this massive part of me is still 18 and she's a stroppy um, lonely angry teenager who's just poking at me all the time going fix it fix it fix it and I'm like I don't know what you want I'm Mm. sorry stroppy teenager but you're just gonna have to storm up to your room again because I don't know what to tell you and I feel like what's happened since is that yeah my 18 year old self is finally I finally given her that space and sat down with her and had a good old listen and gone like okay right let's sort this out (laughs) so yeah 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 uh, that was that was my 18 year old self I guess yeah <laughs> that like, answered the question yeah yeah like I am very like because I I did read of course this part as well in one of the blogs mm. that you had on a vaginismus um awareness uh, on a vaginismus awareness page and I was like like one of the sentences that you there said I think also the fact that it was someone that you trusted like yeah and and what I hear you say now is that to actually being able to handle this specific fact that only came to you uh, five years ago, mm. um, you had to push it away. You had to 
you you had to put it somewhere else to to yeah you know yeah. and so so what i'm wondering about like like i cannot even imagine of course like what how an 18 year old leaves a room that way so what what is it that you noticed about your younger self like what happened to her until she found out i think it was like I think my the part of me that um, still sort of wanted like validation and approval and that sense that I was good enough. I think I sort of channeled her into um, being on stage. Like that was the one place where I felt like I was good enough because you know I'd get I get the applause, you know, and I get I get people going like, "Oh, you're amazing," you know, like the through the whole acting side of it, you know. And I think that was where I found the, you know, like my approval approval and like that just well not even that like on a on a sort of less um I guess kind of selfish level just that feeling comfortable and collaborating and connecting with people so I think uh yeah I sort of saved I guess like my outgoing fearless shameless personality for on stage uh whereas in real life I think in 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 every other instance like with friends and family and just generally generally living life I think I was you know I was fine I was quite happy and chipper and and uh it was only really when it came to sex intimacy like even getting as far as any kind of physical intimacy with the guy that it just um that's I think where my 18 year old self was always like nope we build it we build the wall or the the one like say like the grown-up part of me that was uh, <laughs> the part of me that was growing up and and kind of gaining more confidence and more self sense of self-worth I think was you know like kind of a, maybe getting a bit braver with um with that um sense of you know wanting to be intimate with people but there was always this other part of me that was kind of um pulling me away so I never really felt as though I had the confidence to just kind of ask somebody um if they felt the same way back or kind of um sort of throw myself even just casual even you know just going out like you know if we went out nightclubbing and some guy you know kind of came up and started chatting me up I just have this instant oh we're in a bar you're drunk you just want sex no thank you and I sort of had this very um I guess closed-minded idea that I need to get a boyfriend and be normal like everyone else because once you've got a boyfriend you know then you get married then you have kids and like that's how relationships work even though I had I guess quite an unhealthy view of relationships from growing up um, I think there was always this other part of me going yeah but then you become the doormat and they become monosyllabic and miserable and you just have to put up with it if you don't want to die alone you know so I had this um, constant loop of negativity going around so and I and I had this pattern where I'd I'd feel attracted to someone who was unavailable and kind of kind of just smash myself against that rock for for ages mm. and almost like I felt like I deserved to to sort of torture myself and I get myself in a complete mess about it and it was a repeated pattern and you know my friends kept saying the thing is you always you fall for the person you can't have and there's all these other people and for me that was just too many variables mm -hmm. it's like all these people who will you know who will potentially get closer to me and see my shame and, and, and my silence and my weird vagina and how I'm not normal and how basically, even though I feel and seem like a grown up, I'm actually just this clueless teenager still. And really the older I got, 
even though I gained confidence in other ways, the worse that became because I kept thinking like, God, now I'm 30 and I'm essentially a clueless virgin. And now I'm like 35 and still a clueless virgin. And I got, and I, and I just kept thinking it's too late now. It's too Mm. late. How is anyone ever gonna, you know, I kept thinking, um, I tell myself these really horrible things like, you know, if um, <laughs> if there was like the guy version of me out there, uh, like I wouldn't want them <laughs> because mm. I'd be like, what's wrong with them? And it never occurred to me that, you know, anyone who was like didn't have anything wrong with them for want of a better way of putting it would ever want me, you know. And it was just it was like this kind of weight that I was just pulling around with me all the time. And the one time I think I could like lay it down was when I was on stage. Mm. And then, and then it felt like, it felt like, where is this person in, in this scenario with guys? Yeah. Why can't you find her in that regard? Why does your confidence and your self-worth and your, yeah, I'm sassy. Look at me. Where does that go in this scenario? And it's like, it, I sort of fall into this pit between who I wanted to be in that scenario and, um, and what was pulling me down. And I could, and it, it never made any sense until, <laughs> until that moment where, um, where it all just like exploded into into my memory again and suddenly the pieces started connecting and it was like oh I get it Mm. I get it now I'm still enraged at the world and at my sister for you know all of this stuff but I understand how I was how I was getting in my own way all the time and as soon as those two sides of me were able to kind of reconnect in this kind of different way where I was stronger and more informed and had this sense of um you know being more uh like over the past few years I really found my feminism I've been like okay right this is not okay I'm not standing for this anymore and um actually yeah it's sexuality it's about you first never mind the guy why is it always about the guy and what he wants and what turns him off what about me and um and then everything I think just started catching up Mm -hmm. Um, but I think for the longest time, I just, uh, (laughs) it was just like repress, 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 pretend it doesn't bother you. And I'd have like regular blow ups and, you know, pretty much (laughs) I'd go for so long and then just have another major blow up. And I started to become that friend who was like, I started to feel like I was that friend who was here. Oh, here we go with Lorna again, having another one of her. I'm going to die alone. I'm going to die alone. What's wrong with me? Mm. And not that my friends ever made me feel like, oh, here we go again. But it was like, you know, we don't know what else to say to you other than, you know, just stop thinking you're unworthy. Why do you think this about yourself? And because I could never answer truthfully, because I didn't really know why. What it was. Yeah. It just didn't go anywhere. You know, I never progressed. And I'd see my friends, you know, having relationships and one night stands and casual fucks and getting, you know, and getting like really serious with people. And I'd be like, I haven't even like kissed anyone properly yet. And it's like, how am I ever, how will I ever catch up? And there was this pressure I guess I guess I realized I came up against all my social conditioning. Um, and when I sort of remembered what happened, I realized how much of this was not because of 
me and anything I'd done wrong, but because of social conditioning, like when you're when you're this age, you should have done this by now. Oh, you're nearly thirty. Well, you better get a move on. And and like, oh, you're going to push him forward. Well, it's too late now, isn't it? You know. And it was, and it's bizarre the the things that the things that you take on board that mm. you think it's you, but it's absolutely not. And that was very liberating to come up against that and go, okay this is crap (laughs) yeah 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 after losing her virginity Lorna didn't really register that something was happening within her it didn't register how much she had been avoiding because of what happened to her in her past after she was given a vibrator for her birthday she noticed that penetration wasn't possible she never really felt that she was in tune with her body but didn't connect the dots only until she put her symptoms into Google she found out about vaginismus and she felt that she was forced to confront it. It didn't really manifest for me as pain because it sort of never got that far. Like whenever I tried to put a tampon in, it was like I'd kind of, I'd get to that moment where it was like the anticipation of pain was enough for me to go, that's going to hurt, I'm not going to do it. Mm. Um, So I guess it manifested for me as like numbness. And I think that numbness kind of seemed to spread out in other ways where it was just like it was easy to ignore it because it didn't it felt frozen it didn't feel like um it didn't feel like a a problem until I realized it had always been the big problem you know yeah yeah yeah. but what I understand is the moment that like five years ago after having the realization about what actually had happened that sounds to be that it was the trigger to put all the different mm. parts of Lorna uh, together yeah. about, about who you are or how, like how mm. you are in a way. Mm. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I, I sort of, I, <laughs> it's funny. I sort of went on, I kind of, I was very masculine about it in my thought processes when I figured out that it was a thing. It's like, okay, right. So this is what's happening. I'm going to fix it. And I had this kind of um, very, regimented thing I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try everything and um and I'm kind of glad in a way that I didn't really go down the the dilator route because uh I, I had a really good GP actually who who was um you know kind of who had like heard of vaginismus and was saying like you know like dilators psychosocial therapist and I was like cool but because I think I think in my head I was like if if I've got this problem where I, I can't put anything up myself, the last thing I really wanted to do was take away, you know, all these things to go home and put up myself, you know, it's like, oh, I want to yeah, dilate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded a bit like crazy to me. And, um, and when, she, you know, like I looked into like psychosexual therapy, I'd had counseling um, previously, like sort of, I guess sort of grief counseling, but we actually ended up most of the time talking about sex, which is quite revelatory. Um, yeah. And then I figured, I like, okay, maybe I should speak to a psychosexual therapist and sort it out in my head first. Mm-hmm. Then I kind of realized the thing is, I already know exactly what I'm going to say to a psychosexual therapist. And I kind of already know exactly what they're going to say back. It's like, I've kind of done all this, like I've got there, like, you know, I put all the dots together. And then um, I started because I've always been into like, you know, sort of spiritual practices. I've always liked yoga and meditation. And um, a friend of mine 
recommend you meet to her friend who does like kind of womb healing yoga so it's all about like you know like getting back in touch with that part of yourself and it's funny because I'd always found that whole thing a little bit like you know hippy dippy like oh let's worship our yonis and I always found it a bit like cringy and a bit like oh really but mm. I actually kind of thought no you know what you got to try this out you and your vagina have got to you know actually start talking to each other and be friends again and I actually found all that really really empowering actually to just sit with a group of women and just move in a way that you feel connected with your body and then I started um I tried out like yoni eggs and I kind of did all this stuff yeah yeah but I think the most sort of helpful thing in terms of sorting my head out, I had some hypnotherapy sessions mm-hmm. with um, with a lady in Wolverhampton and that kind of turned things around for me because the way she was talking about how you're, how you're subconscious, how when something traumatic happens to your body, and I think this is the thing, I downplay the trauma. Once I remembered it all, I kind of have this thing of like, did I just kind of make it up? And actually, did I forget it because it wasn't that important? Yeah. And she's like, uh, no, you forgot it because you didn't know how to deal with it mm-hmm. and because it was traumatic. And, you know, I always, I think I sort of got down on myself for thinking, well, it's not like I was assaulted. It's not like it wasn't consensual or that. I kind of downplay it all. And then, you know, she tell me the thing is, like trauma is trauma. Your body registers something as trauma and it doesn't necessarily understand that you've moved on. It's still, mm-hmm. you know, in the same place. It's still in that trauma state. So the hypnotherapy was like really, really um, useful for just getting my brain and my body talking to each other again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I'm kind of glad that I tried, I sort of tried a bit of everything, you know, I'm kind of glad I took a holistic approach because I had quite a, Oh, this is another reason I wrote this. This is probably the main reason I was like, I'm writing a show about this. I rang up a, a gyne, uh, like a gyno nurse, like a gynecology nurse to kind of get some more sort of, you know, specific expert advice. And I said, like, I think I have vaginismus. Um, I just wanted to talk to, you know, somebody in this field about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sort of get some advice. And the first thing she said was like, have you considered surgery? And I was like, uh, no, not really. And the conversation kind of just, I don't really remember what was said after that because I was still reeling from the question. And when I put the phone down, I thought I should have pulled her up on that. I should have said, what the hell did you ask me that for? And I was thinking, oh my God, if, if like my 18 year old self would have figured these things out and and rang up I just was despairing of all these young girls who Mm. maybe you know had like a bit of a similar experience to me when they were 18 like you know like or had a had an experience that 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 stopped it yeah yeah and I was just despairing of any like yeah like young girls who are ringing up this this same gyno nurse and going Mm. I have this problem what's going on and the first thing they get you know offered as a solution is surgery because it won't make any difference Mm. and I was like and that was like that was the moment where I was like right I'm writing a show about this and I'm talking about that moment in it because it's like this can't be you know this can't be the way that this can't be the first suggestion for someone with this problem where there's no thought that's gone into 
but what's going on in your head? And this was the massive revelation for me. It's like, you know, what's going on in your head first, because you're not, um, you're not born with abnormal vaginal muscles you know you've your body has had that reaction Mm. yeah I I, I made I made I made because I I I saw that you read that and I was like but we like some people might right like Mm. we don't know yeah like you know so so some people might some people might not but I think it's like I think because I think maybe that's the reason why there's like primary and like secondary vaginismus Mm. yeah Um, yeah not not knowing like some people might not know but then I also don't think that there is enough research done. Um, yeah, it's on, like do on, we even? Yeah, you know about 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 our muscles in a way of like how do we know yeah. when things are? It's like extra how do we know what abnormal not? is? Yeah, yeah. like yeah. really, why? Yeah, because each person, you know, as far as as I mean, I guess you know, as far as my body's concerned, it was having a completely normal reaction to you know feeling invaded or whatever. So this whole sense of normal, abnormal is like, yeah, it's the language around it is very, um, yeah, I think in, in like I think it's quicker, quicker decided when uh, I think it's quicker decided when there is a like for a male to know when something is abnormal or I'm not mm. even saying I don't even want to use the word abnormal, but let's say if there's something that they're worried about, there is a quicker jump towards, oh, hold on, let's have a look. There might be something yeah. because this is how it should yeah. look or this is how. It, but of course, like as for us women, as it's all internal I mean like mm. like literally it goes inside of us there, there's mm. we, we won't be able to see exactly of you know like how do we know until like those moments of vaginismus of vulvodynia or mm. when there's ache or pain and then it's so hard to describe um, because there's yeah. you can't really see it um, yeah. but sorry I just drifted off a bit uh, I mean like going on to that that direction but mm. thinking thinking of because what you said there, there was a moment um, from that moment on, you started to find different ways to mm. connect with with your body and your mind and to actually really um, go towards the reunited and feel so good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one woman yeah. show that's still in the making, I'll say, or that's still to come or be written. Mm. Um, but I, I was wondering of just maybe a bit of random side question, just because thinking about intimacy, thinking about um, uh, relationships and about like love. So what was your view? Like, if you think about it, what was your view over those years of like, when you noticed that you were like maybe venting it off uh, a bit or maybe finding um, someone who's maybe unavailable in a way, like what was your thought about those types of topics for yourself? I think it was just like, (laughs) I think for pretty much like from 18 up till like, I guess could be quite specific about this last September, I just had this intense loneliness that I was just carrying around with me all the time. And it was, and it, and it was just this sort of, this sense of just like I guess kind of existential despair really that would keep blowing up inside me and ultimately I'd sort of say to people I'm not you know I'm not stupid I know that you know having a boyfriend won't fix all of this but Jesus I just want to be touched you know kissed hugged you know and have this connection with somebody because it 
it's like my family's over there my friends are over there and we can interact but ultimately inter on you know a sort of physical intimate level everyone's over there mm. and I just sort of felt um I yeah I just felt this sort of intense loneliness I was carrying around all the time and and it would go from I was it was sort of on this loop of I'm lonely which makes me frustrated which makes me angry and I'm angry because I'm lonely so I'm frustrated and and it was all really just building more bricks on the wall to putting me further and further um you know from what I actually needed and wanted and um I kind of and I and I suppose what losing my sister and and having a breakdown kind of did for me in a way was it kind of blew all that up which was really really difficult to deal with at the time but in a way when the dust settled I was able to look at it objectively and go oh it wasn't me I didn't do anything wrong it wasn't my fault I didn't know any better you know and at the time him and my sister didn't really like know any better they were just you know wanting to you know (laughs) do what they wanted to do and it was again like nothing personal and all that and I sort of had this very different perspective on it and I had and I think I was always a bit of I kind of would go from being a complete cynic um to like oh well you know relationships are bollocks anyway aren't they and you know you're only going to have someone treating you um treating you like crap and you know if you Mm. don't want to be alone you just got to take it or or you know you can just go out and I I kind of have this um I sort of have this envy of people who could just go out and just shag someone if they fancied a shag. I'd be like, the idea of that was terrifying for me. And I think I had this idea that it was, it was, you know, the relationship forever or you're, you know, you just, you go around being a bit of a slut and that's bad too. That's bad. And there was nowhere in between that okay. felt like natural, you know, I'd, and, um, and I think I, I always would think I was really naive and like that I just romanticized things, but actually it was just actually wanting something very normal. But I thought because it was so far away from me, I would kind of, I'd kind of be romantic and cynical about it at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think all I really wanted was just the reality of it. You know, I didn't expect it to be perfect. So I, I decided, so all the stuff I'd done, you know, like holistically, you know, like the the dancing and the yoga and the yoni eggs and, and the sex toys and, you know, all the getting in touch with my body and um, discovering like what pleasure meant for me for myself and all that and reading lots of erotica and all that, you know, the it was all really, really, you know, helpful in terms of me feeling um, like I was talking to my body again like we were in sync and kind of feeling like I was working through it but I still kept getting this I was still alone and I still kept getting this sort of overwhelming existential lonely horribleness feeling and I couldn't really figure it out because I was like look I've dealt with this I figured out I had a thing I've sort of I fixed the thing I can get a tampon up me I can get a dildo up me so I'm cured right I'm fixed so why still this and and then it came back to the the oldest sort of problem really. It's like well, I'm still alone and I still don't feel like I have any confidence in men and I still feel like inexperienced and all that. And I was like, okay, the only way I'm really gonna fix this. And I think I knew deep down that this was really the only way it was gonna 
resolve itself. So I need to have a different experience of sex and it needs to be one that I'm in control of. And I need it to be with someone who won't, you know, reject me. And I need it to be someone whose experience won't kind of hold my inexperience against me. And I thought, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna look up uh, I'm just going to go online and look into like escorts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I told myself, I'm just curious, you know, this is just an act of desperation. And, um, and I found this agency and I got in touch with them and I thought, okay, I'll tell, I'll just tell them the truth. I'll be very honest. And I kind of gave them, you know, the short version of what was going on with me, expecting them to come back and go, mm, it sounds like you need a sex therapist rather than an escort, you know, escorts are good for a bit of fun, but this stuff, you know, I don't know. And they came back with something completely unexpected for me and said, we have, we've had a lot of women with vaginismus who have um, come to us to hire escorts and have had, you know, a very positive experience. And I absolutely think, you know, we can, we can help you with this. So, you know, have a look through the site who catches your eye and we'll go from there. And I was like, I was not expecting that. Yeah. I like, I I, I am not even expecting that answer. Yeah. And um and to cut a long story short, I I sort of I found uh, a guy who's like, ooh, okay. And I said, this guy? And he was like, yes, he's perfect for you because he's very, you know, sensitive and laid back. And so I booked him. And for the next six months, I was like in this constant state of, I've changed my mind. No, I shouldn't do it. I, uh, no, actually, yeah, I didn't. It took me six months to book him, I think. I was in this, like, I can't, I'm just, uh -uh." and I couldn't get past the fact that I was essentially paying for someone to pretend they fancied me so they could fix sex me whatever I couldn't get over it and I kept I kept sort of deliberating and going no I can't no I should no you have to like it was the only option left and then I it was getting closer to the day and one thing I'm glad that I did is I just talked to a lot of my friends about it and they all said the same thing like this is really good that you're doing this I was like is it they're like yeah this is really good that you're doing this and I finally started to feel in a better place about it. And then about, <laughs> and then the fateful day came and for about an the hour before he turned up was the most terrifying of my <laughs> life. Cause I was like, Oh shit. I can imagine. Um, and then there was this lovely moment where he walked in and just his whole demeanor kind of made me realize that oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And he was, very very intuitive and sensitive and patient and very good at his job and basically I had a very mind-blowing evening that kind of undid all the damage from that first evening and it amazed me how quickly my my I sort of just dropped that weight because I just had permission Hmm. I had permission to be this um woman who has sexual desire you know and it's normal and it's healthy and I had someone to play with and explore with and someone who was holding my hand through you know my worry about it yeah I realized that actually this is the person I've always been this is the person my 18 year old self got stuck into repressing and she can Mm. come out and play and that I think was the moment where my where I did sort of finally feel like I'd grown up like I caught up with myself and I remember like 
I was lying next to him. So um, I'd hide him for the whole night because I was like, I don't want a situation where whatever happens, I kind of wake up alone. So I hide him for the whole night. And there was, so he was asleep by this point. And I was just kind of lying there next to him going, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can kiss him and touch him and everything. And like, wow. And what was really lovely was that I was kind of, I was sort of fancying myself for the first time going, look at me doing sex. Quite oh, wow. good. Yeah. Quite like it. And I was, you know, sort of swaggering around the next day, like, huh, did That's- sex, big sex. I'm a person who has sex. Check me out. Yeah. And since then, it's just been this wonderful um, journey of like, not only feeling like I've sort of caught up and grown up, not that there was ever anything wrong with me not being, you know, growing up and experience not that there was ever anything wrong with that but just this sense of feeling like whole and realizing that I am worthy and that you know I do have um the right to ask someone um you know tell someone what I want and that sex is fun it's fun it's supposed to be fun Mm. and that you don't have to have this conventional you don't have to do it in these sort of conventional ways if it just doesn't work for you you know I was never going to get past it I think in any other way it Mm. needs to be you know this sort of uh, because I think people people might think you know like the sort of the whole transactional aspect of it makes it sort of awkward or you know like a bit um a bit of a turn off but it was actually it made it a lot easier for me because it was like there was no ambiguity and I think it was ambiguity that had just crippled me for years just this Mm. I don't know what's going on with you because I don't know what's going on with me so I'll just pull away yeah yeah um or you know I'll just sort of sit here forlornly and cry while you walk away uh you know so what was great about this experience is that there was no ambiguity it's like here is some money please do sex with me that's the deal and I know that you know there wasn't there isn't going to be any you know sort of emotional fuckery happening because we are literally deciding to leave that out there and uh yeah it was a total game changer and I, I'm not saying, you know, that this is, this is how everyone should kill them. <laughs> I just want to but, say, it's like, uh, is yeah. it for, it, like, it, like, like, I wanted to just say, oh, is it for everyone? But it's just great to know that you felt in that moment that that was that the was way. For yeah. Me. Yeah. And I think like for, for, uh, there are, I think other people that are, you know, sort of feeling this same kind of block with, I know that it's one thing, you know, to, to not know you, have it and then but then once you do that's like a whole other thing and then you have this other like well how do I how do I get over it and then also how do you get past this need to fix it fix it it's a problem fix it cure it and then I think like and once you sort of feel like you have sort of worked through it like I guess sort of physically it's like but what then you know how does how does it the landscape change in terms of how you feel and it and it sort of feels now like all that all that kind of internal dialogue has has changed like it's literally changed my thought processes because I used to say to my friends like the thing is yeah I'm just sick of thinking about this stuff all the time I go to bed and it's and it's there swishing around my head you know Mm. I get up in the morning and there's this desolate loneliness all the time and I just want to think about something else you know Mm. I want my sort of my my sort of I guess background noise to be like you know not just 
tearing me to pieces all the time yeah and that's another wonderful thing that's happened where I think my body and my brain and everything it's just kind of gone click ah we don't have to worry about this anymore because so much of my anxiety was fueled I think by fear of the future Mm -hmm. that I was going to take this into my future with me and you know like I was still going to be like this when I'm 40 50 like it's never it's never going to fix itself and then because I've had this complete sort of you know turnaround it's this sense that I don't feel scared of the future anymore because actually what's what was lovely about that evening with him is that I was totally in the present moment and that's when I kind of realized that okay that's that's what sex should be about you know that you feel connected to this person in in the present moment that you're not worried about well where is this going and what if my body starts doing something weird and we don't talk about it you know like it's kind of just enjoying the present moment and that's had a massive effect on on my attitude in other aspects of my life as well and in terms of my confidence so in a way (laughs) vaginismus was sort of I mean you know I'm not saying it was um it was a pleasant experience to go through but in a way it's what has come out of it what has it kind of protected me from and I am actually sort of grateful that things turned out the way they did because if they hadn't I don't think I ever would have got here like the most profound moment for me with that evening with him was um this was kind of after he while he was sleeping and I was kind of lying there I had this sense of like oh it's all right now and I just kind of remember saying you know to my sister wherever she is like I I forgive you and it it felt like this massive weight like it felt like that was the last thing and that just sort of dissolved and that was like oh and I you know felt lighter and the next day I felt like I was walking around in a new body like Mm. this is how it feels to walk around in, in a body that's like free of just all this tension and numbness and even like you know to to how my body feels in in other ways like my, for a long time I was walking around with like my shoulders hunched over like this sort of protective protect mm. my heart kind of thing and I found myself like just opening my whole body up more yeah. and it's just yeah and it just makes me appreciate how important it is to honor your sexuality and to not repress it even if you know even if you feel sort of you know I don't know, like shameful about it for some reason. It's like, just talk about it and work through it and question it. And yeah. I think, you know, apps, I think the majority of, I think really my vaginismus are just a sort of, um, I guess a physical manifestation of, of mental, emotional, sexual repression. And like, you know, I was just telling my body these things over and over again and my body went, okay, wall. Mm-hmm. and and it's made me realize more than ever how important it is just to talk about these things even if you know you find the idea of broaching the subject quite mortifying it's like you know just please talk to somebody and and if you feel like um you know you can't talk to anyone um around you on like a personal level you know it's like you this is the great thing about the internet. You can find your tribe. You can find people that know how you feel and you can connect with them. And and this is why I, you know, I just wanted to make that show and why I wrote that article and why I put the bit, I wasn't going to talk about the escort um, thing at first, but then I thought, no, it's, it's important because it kind of, it kind of without it, like you don't sort of get like 
how I got from. So I've worked all this through and everything's fine, um, but not really because I'm still. Uh, so I just wanted to give that. Um, that's yeah. OK, it's a bit more of a, a risky, risque subject, but here's, you know, what what worked for me and actually you know like I say I'm not saying it's for, for everyone but what I wanted to kind of get across in that blog post was that like whatever your thing is that you feel you just need to try even if it's terrifying yeah. you know just give it a go and work through it and and just give yourself a, a, a chance to you know um, give yourself a chance to heal and yeah. don't think that you have to cure anything because there was nothing wrong with you. You know, there's no. nothing wrong with you. No. What's next? What's what's now? Now that we're in this re- re- reunited and feel so good because <laughs> because of course, like if we think about love, right? That's mm. again like another another like a little piece of the puzzle there. Being mm. like, ah, oh, we now feel good. We're reunited with our bodies. Reunited with our minds in a way mm. how do you still feel about like if it would be about meeting someone i'm not saying that you have to meet someone by the way because i'm single myself and like i don't like it when people pressure me to say oh you're so mm. nice all that yeah. stuff but like yeah how like do you feel that that has also changed in your mindset then by having an escort yeah absolutely because like i f- i feel um I feel now like so much of the things I was telling myself, it wasn't me. It was, it was, you know, like this social conditioning kind of drumming it into me that like, uh, well, you know, because you're not this kind of person or because you don't try hard enough or because you're not pretty or blah, 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 you know, um, no one will want to, um, you know, sleep with you or, or be with you or whatever, or, you know, I was telling myself all this, you know, sort of negative thought processes. And, um, and I think, now like um I'm a lot more I think I do just on a really basic level I have a lot more confidence you know and I feel like that person I can be on stage I feel like she translates a lot more into real life in that scenario and I feel like I know it it shouldn't really matter but ultimately let's be honest it does I do feel like because I have some experience now I don't feel like I'm um at a distinct disadvantage you know and yeah I feel like um I feel like I have the confidence and the honesty to sort of talk about what I want and what I enjoy and and I don't see myself kind of I think back in the day I'm, I was in such a negative mindset that I think if anyone had shown any interest I would have sort of jumped at it and probably would have got used you know probably would have attracted a certain kind of um person and and I think I was always trying to avoid that at the same time mm-hmm. as well because I thought that was all that was there for me so I had this weird relationship with that and now I feel like I know my own worth so I think that translates into my confidence so I think there's I'm not kind of in any rush to meet anyone but I feel like I feel like if I when I do and not if now it's like when you know um or even if I don't you know like it's not a massive it's not a massive issue you know um what will be lovely is just to hear about what can people expect um while seeing you and where can they where can they find you 
So no entry. So unfortunately, the the Camden show is sold out. Well, I say sold out, but basically because the the social distancing staying in place, they've had to cap the audience at, at ten, and um, so I've I've officially sold out, which is great. It's a sellout. That's what matters. That's <laughs> the important thing. So Camden um, is sold out, but I'm sure there's lots of other shows that might appeal at the the festival which is calm down dear feminist theater festival at camden people's theater in july um so but my next show for no entry the um yeah that is sort of still open and selling tickets at the moment is on the 31st of july in birmingham at the crescent theater Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's the next sort of official show and then at the moment it's just sort of I'm kind of putting it out there, you know, trying to find like other other venues and stuff. But I think it it will inevitably be a while before it's sort of, I guess, on the touring circuit in circulation. But in the meantime, I'm looking into a way to put it on, put it up digitally for people to buy like on demand kind of thing, digitally streaming it and stuff. Because okay. I did have a really good video done of it. So I've got plans, but it might it might be a while before, you know, um, it's sort of officially out there touring. But I definitely don't want to kind of like drop it once I've once I've done like a, a few of the shows. Like I want this to be, you know, I want to get it out there. I want to tour it. And um, I hope, you know, that it's sort of in my in my repertoire for quite a while you know I don't yeah. sort of just drop it and make the next show and 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 go along like that I'd like to keep it you know keep it out there mm. um like I will of course put the link uh, below uh, the podcast yeah. as well but as is unfortunately our time I also just wanted to end our conversation with of course a few questions just to see of what you would say you know oh. um so in in a few words what do you feel that you know now that you wish you knew then oh oh gosh uh I think the big thing is that um it's not you you know I think any any of that sort of sense of shame or of having done something wrong or if you know I'm not enough or um uh yeah it's like it's not you it's the world we live in that socially conditions us into thinking that any kind of problem we have you know down there just deal with it um you know and don't talk about it and move on and there's more important things and what's all the fuss about and oh just have a glass of wine and relax and as long as you know your your partner can get their penis inside you that's all that matters isn't it you know all that stuff all that pressure you know it's not um it's not true it's not real it's not helpful and whatever you need to do to unpick that and just push it aside you know um I yeah I would I would go back and say to my 18 year old self it's not you you've done nothing wrong and actually you you just uh, need to uh learn to yeah stick up for yourself and not feel like yeah not feed the shame and the silence until the shame and the silence becomes controls you Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely most importantly listen to your body listen to your body yeah honor your body yeah honor your body and listen to your body okay mm. just blurt out the first thing that comes up okay so you are not vaginismus but you are um i am free you're not vaginismus but you are free free amazing amazing mm. so 
really, really, really want to thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for tell it. And, and I really hope as well that people will come and find you and that the world actually opens up so that you can go and tour more with no oh, entry so that you. we can all you. see you a bit more because um, of yeah. course, travel-wise, sometimes restricts us as well to mm. go to places. But it will be lovely to have your, 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 your one-woman show out there for others to hear or to see um, and to understand and to um, connect with like so women with vaginismus but actually anyone because I find it really important for anyone to just know about it um Mm. so do you have any socials that people can find you on yeah so I'm on uh so I'm not like massively into social media but I do I I do tweet I'm on Twitter uh Lorna uh E Meehan and um the fit company so the my theatre company I co-run who produce No Entry, we are Rogue Play Theatre. So we're on uh, Twitter as well. And we're also on like Facebook and we've got a website. Okay. Um, and I've got a YouTube channel like Lorna Meehan. And yeah, there's like the trailers up on there. And then Rogue Play have got a YouTube as well. So okay. yeah, you could- you Various places. Me, yeah, like basically if you punch me into Google, I'll come up on a couple of different- things now because you know i've been around and done some stuff so um yeah yeah okay okay. amazing and if if anyone does just want to you know like email me like and just to sort of you know talk about all this i'm i'm happy to i'm just happy to to talk and you know help in any way i can like okay so okay super because like i really 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 hope that people just take that opportunity Mm. of course and to find out more or even if it's to figure out um when you will be out like touring next because as constantly things are changing i'm sure that you have a space where you can update us um so absolutely come and and see you in a way Mm. but i just want to like again thank you so much for coming to vme today and i look forward to seeing no entry like i i secretly hope that there is still that one place Left. Yes, it's <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I want to just go and watch you, and I want to watch, and I want to see the story, and also go to the theater for the first time. So it's like oh. all mixed in one. Uh, my, mm. my 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 excitement, I'll say. Um, but Lorna, I will see you hopefully in a few weeks. But and as well for the other people there out there listening, thank you so much. And yeah, find her, go and look at the play, and connect. This was the VME podcast, Vaginismus, Let's Name It, Not Shame It, with Audrey Cairo. Don't hesitate to reach out or to connect on Instagram on Let's Call Her V or find all my other details on audreycairo.com-vme. Thanks for listening.